the uh, in Dallas Morning News, uh, I read this article, and Pastor Steve talked about. Where, do, you, do, you, do you remember where Pastor Steve said we're pray that we're going to see about starting a church when the service first started? Remember that? In China. In China. This was in the paper, the Dallas Morning News last week said Chinese police demolish large evangelical church. I'll just read part of it. Chinese police officers demolished one of the country's largest evangelical churches this week using heavy machinery and dynamite to raise the building where more than 50,000 Christians worshipped. And they came in and demolished it. And admit to it. The Golden Lampstand Church in Changxi, I guess, Changxi province, was one of at least two Christian churches demolished by authorities in recent weeks, part of what critics describe as a national effort to regulate spiritual life in China. You can't regulate spiritual life. But this is, you say, well, this doesn't, what happened in 1 Peter doesn't happen today. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I'll leave this article here. It's, it's, it, they, they're trying to say, well, you know, you didn't get the proper permits and things like that. Of course, it's been there since 2009. 50,000 people worship, destroyed. It does happen today. Let's just pray for a minute. All right. Let's, as we do on Sunday, let's just stop, be quiet for a second, be still for a second, and ask the Lord to speak to us. Uh, open our hearts, Father, to your word. Teach us what we don't know. And uh, give us something that would be a help to us this week as we live for you. Seek to live for you and to help others and to be a blessing and to reach people for Christ. None of it will work. None of it will be effective unless you lead us and unless you empower us, unless you guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, open to First Peter. Let's go quickly. We're only going to stay three verses this morning, and it, and it won't take too too long uh, because the points are really very very simple, and that's why you don't have many notes today. There are things that I, I'd like for us to talk about, but First Peter chapter one verses one through twelve, which we've studied over the last couple of weeks, emphasize living in hope, right? Walking in hope. Today, the emphasis switches to walking in holiness. So, walking in hope, living with hope, the whole, all the verse, the first 12 verses are about salvation, really. And Peter reminds them, God the Father chose them. He reminds them that the Holy Spirit separated them, sanctified them, and that, the, and that the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed them. And so that's, that's salvation right there. And that God did the work. We responded to God's work. God chose us. The foreknowledge of God. We talked about that. All of these blessings of salvation. And so now he moves from you know, walking in hope, what goes hand in hand with that, how we behave how we behave. Once we recognize what God has done for us, it changes the way we behave. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, shows you how that goes together. Every man that hath this hope in him 
purifieth himself even as he is pure. So you see the hope that we have. Remember what hope means? The expectation, the earnest expectation that we have for the uh, full salvation that we'll experience. He's saying here that you have that hope in you and it purifies you. And so that's what he's going to go to today. What I really like about the, 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 the structure of Scripture is so beautiful. It works so perfectly. It's such a miraculous book, as Mike reminded us this morning. It is such a miraculous book, the way it's put together for our edification. He, he starts off, he said, this is what God has done for you. Now, this should cause you to live in a certain way. Religion, now think about this. This is really interesting. This Religion gets us backwards. Religion, most religion, and many churches you'd sit at today, it, 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 it's backwards. They say, okay, now if I do this, and if I'm holy, and if I do this, and I do this, then God will be merciful to me, and then I will, hopefully, if I got enough of those good things and good marks, if I do all those good things, and I, I live this holy life, and I go to church, and I, I you know, I, I, all these legalistic things that a lot of us may have grown up with, and I, and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, and I get holier and holier and holier and holier, then God will say, okay, you're good enough. Now, look, here, I, I, I'll, I'll cleanse you, I'll do it. It doesn't work that way. It works the opposite way. The other thing that religion does, though, today is they go to the other extreme from what we learn about. The other extreme is they don't talk about holiness anymore. They, they, they talk about, you know, God's love and they talk about his goodness and they talk about them, but they never talk about the distinctive way that Christians will live. The difference between someone who has the DNA of Jesus in their life versus those who don't. There's a difference in their life. That's what he's talking about today. So today's outline is very simple. You have it on your paper. Fix your hope and be holy. That's the two commands he says. <coughs> Fix your hope and be holy. All right? So let's read verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now, let's look at the first part of verse 13. Some of you have something different written there in your Bible. What do you have? Just read something if you have something different. Prepare your minds for service. Prepare your life for service? For your mind for service. All right. What do you have, Don? Uh, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Okay. Somebody have anything? Anybody have a King James Version? Pull out your Gideon Bible and see what your Gideon Bible is. Your Gideon Bible and King James Version? This, this is New English. New English? Yeah. It won't say what I want it to say. <laughs> what does yours say? It already been said. It already been said. And you have King James Version says, gird up the loins of your mind. What? What? Gird up the loins of your mind? What does that mean? What in the world does gird up the loins of your mind? I heard that a hundred times as a kid, and I go, yeah, that's good. So what does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> Gird up the loins of your mind? I'm afraid to even talk about that. 
<laughs> but you know what it is? It is it's a, uh, a figure of speech in the Middle East. Very common. Matter of fact, the translation, the, the old King James version of gird up the loins or bundle up the loins of your mind is more accurate to that figure of speech. It's like um, they wear the long flowing robes, right? They the robes come down to the ground. And he's saying, you know, they had to pull those up, bundle them up in order to walk, to run, to work. As a matter of fact, you see it today. You know, uh, matter of fact, I have a thobe. I should have brought my thobe. That would have—I probably would have got kicked out by the security if I wore that in here. But you see this in the Middle East today. You see it in Saudi Arabia. They wear these long, flowing white robes, and you know if they got to run somewhere, they're in tough shape. They're going to fall, right? So he says, "Bundle those up." So when he says, "Bundle up your robes," bundle up the robes, gird up the loins of your mind. What's he talking about? What, what do you think? What in the world is he talking about? Now some of you have a different translation, so it may have make it a little easier to you. But rather than me just saying what I think it is, what do you think it means? Get ready for action. Get ready for action. Pardon? Get ready for action. Get ready for action. Alright, get ready for action so you're bundling it up. You're getting ready to do something, right? What does it mean? Get rid of all your distractions. Okay. If it's talking about the mind, it, it, it obviously can include that. All right, so you're getting ready to do something. Get ready to do something. Get rid of the distractions. What else? What about taking all the knowledge that you have and putting it together and putting it into action? Yeah. Use what you think. Right? Think. What else? Tighten up your thoughts. Sorry? I, when I, I thought of bundle, I thought of tighten up, tighten up your thoughts. How's that? Focus. 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 Somebody say it over here. Focus. Focus. So I think that's what he's saying. All right, based on all this stuff that's happened, you're suffering, right? All these guys are suffering, suffering. They're, they're, they're getting kicked out of their their uh, homes, they're, they're losing their jobs, some have lost their lives, Nero's going wild across the Roman Empire, persecuting and, and killing Christians, they're, they're shamed, so he said, look, get your mind prepared, think. Now, the, the, the best way to say this is the English uh, version, the ESV, I think, it's preparing your mind for action. Being sober-minded, using the participles there because that's, that's important, preparing your mind for action, being sober-minded, get prepared to do something, get rid of the, uh, you know, the distractions, focus, think, don't just do whatever comes to your mind, guard your mind, renew your mind, and then he says be sober or be sober-minded. Every time this word sober is used in the New Testament, uh, in Greek, it's the word nepho. Every time it's used, it's used metaphorically. It's not talking about being drunk with wine. That's another study. All right. Every time in the New Testament it, this word is used, it's talking about being sober-minded. Moral alertness, Vine says. It means to watch, 
to be free from every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness or excess. Here's the sentence that I want you to remember. Rather than being controlled by outside circumstances, believers should be directed from within. The, the perfect example, now, the perfect example would be talk about being drunk with wine, which I'm not going to do. I, you know, my mother listens to this recording, so I, I don't know what that, I have no idea what that's all about. So I can't use that illustration, but I can use the illustration of, um, not this last time that I had this uh, wonderful event, but the time before when I had my colonoscopy. Now, I'm not going to do the, you know, the bad stuff, but when they put you out, in the, this was, what, almost 10 years ago. Now, you can help me remember this, because I wasn't awake. <laughs> when you wake up, you do not know what you're saying. Thank you, Jesus, I didn't say anything that would come back to haunt me too bad. At least that you told me. She just, I just looked at her. She goes, eh. "That's what you think." What? What did? What did I? Oh yeah. What did I say? What? When I woke up. What did I say? I was out of it. Totally out of it. Not the last time, but the time before when I was down. At, you remember? I didn't know who or where I was. I was being very nice and thanking you for helping me and everything like that. And you said, "I can't remember all the stuff." God, I don't remember any of the stuff. I'm trying to remember what you told me. I just told you everything was fine. And right. And then the next morning, you were kvetching because the doctor had called with results or whatever. And I went, honey, they already said everything's fine. He's like, really? What? You didn't remember that everything was fine. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I had no control, right? I had no idea what was going on. I had no, I, I'm talking, carrying on a, a conversation. I, what did I say? I want to go to Starbucks. That's brilliant, brilliant, you know. Instead of saying I want to go to church, I say I want to go to Starbucks, right? I had no control. Outside circumstances, that juice they gave me was controlling me. Now, the new juice they give you, because I had one a few years ago, the new juice, man, that is good stuff. It knocks you out. She said, now, we're going to keep you out just as long as we want you to, and then we're going to bring you back, and when we bring you back, you're not going to have any of that you're going to remember everything's going to be fine and it, it's it, that was the best 45 minutes of probably of my life I mean I went to sleep I did I, I woke up I felt great I felt like I had slept 42 hours it's good stuff it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about but <laughs> B that's the illustration is you don't let anything from the outside control you we let he's saying to these guys look everything around you is bad but he said, get your mind thinking the right way. Get prepared for action. Think, guard your mind, and don't let the outside circumstances control your activities. Because I'm about to tell you what your activities are supposed to be. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. <laughs> That's so straightforward. Now. If you go back, bless you. He said, fix your hope. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation. He talked about that in the first 12 verses. He said, now fix your hope. Get, your, get everything all sorted out in your mind. Fix all of your hope. Complete. I got to tell you what this one word is, though. 
Another translation of that, and some of you will have this in your Bible, in verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 13. It says, fix your hope, what? Completely, fully, all your hope. Fix all of it. You know what that word is? It's really a neat word. It is, it, it is the word telos. Does this look familiar? What if I took this off and put this after it in English? Now, that's what the word is, telescope, telot. That's the, what he's saying here is the word completely, uh, a, a good word, your telescope, you, you focus it so you can see far off. So he said, put your hope completely, everything, live long range. Live long range. Don't live based on the circumstances all you guys are facing right now. Live long range. And when he says long range, it doesn't mean when, you, when you're going to be 90. Live long range when you're going to be in heaven for eternity. All right? Enough said. So then we go, he said, now, he's going to tell you how to live. He's going to tell you the next verse, next two verses, be holy. So he says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Why does he call us children here? Why does he revert? He doesn't do that in the first few verses. Now he's saying you're children. He said you're God's children, so be obedient. Why do you think he called them children? Why do you think he calls us children before he tells us to be obedient? That's right. Because, because, and this ties into the word holy in just a moment, because we have God's DNA as children. That's what makes us live different. We have God's DNA. Because you look on into the next verse, but now you must be holy. Here's the second command. Fix your hope, long range, get your perspective right, be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy, for I am holy. He's quoting from Leviticus, two places in Leviticus where the children of Israel were told to be different, to be distinctive, to be separate, because the word holy is the word hagias, which means separate, distinctive. It means character, if you, if you translate literally, it means characteristically godlike. That's what the word holy is. In summary, he said, you have a new nature. You have a new DNA. Act like it. Act like it. You know, I, uh, I'm going to close this up and just because this is so simple, straightforward. Basically, you can choose now how to live. And you can choose to be holy because it is your nature. Before you're saved, you can't really choose because there's a different landlord of the house. Before you come to Christ, the landlord can come in and say, I'm coming in. And walks in and says, okay, this is what we're going to do now. And you have no power to do anything about it. Then you come to Christ, you get a new landlord. Does that mean the old landlord can't come back and say, I want in? No. He, he does it every day. But you know what? Now I have the power to choose. I, that's what it means to be, Sal and I were listening to a message driving back by James McDonald, and he's talking about 
being dead to sin. That's what dead to sin means. When you get saved, the Bible says in Romans, it says you are dead to sin. Does that mean you don't sin anymore? How many of you think that's what it means? Raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. It's not what it means. When he says you're dead to sin, what does it mean? It means you're dead to the power of sin in your life. You do not have to choose. When he says be holy, he's saying make the choice. He said, now somebody, he said, don't be like some of you. Some of you are slipping back. Is it possible then for Christians to slip back out when they let the other landlord come in and run the place? And it says, yes, you can slip back. <coughs> he said, don't be like that. The circumstances all around you said, and if you have, come on back to the command, the word of God that says, be holy, be distinctive. And don't, here's the last thing I'm going to say. Don't miss the part about being holy where it's so important. Being holy is not just being separate from things. Let me say it again. Being holy is not just being separated from things that may not appear to be holy. Being holy is being separated from things, distinctive from things that are ungodlike, but the key to being holy is to being consecrated to a person. And what I missed for a long time, and I think in my Christian life, is being holy was, man, I can't, I, I, you know, I can't uh, drink and I can't dance and I can't chew and I can't date girls that do. That was my mantra, to be holy. And anyway, I, and, and I did pretty good. She doesn't chew. So, uh, <laughs> She used to, but she got rid of that. So, <laughs> But all those lists of things that you've got in your mind that you say, I can't do, and you don't say, I got up, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't do. And you take that and you decouple that from being dedicated and consecrated to a person. You get, the, you get the order backwards. <laughs> you become consecrated to a person. And then he takes away the things that are going to distract you. And he becomes the landlord. And it's the constant be holy. Then you say, okay, Lord, I'm consecrated. I'm dedicated to you. I love you. I don't love any, any other God. I don't love any other. I love you. I want to please you. And that's what I found to be the difference in... And many people in their Christian testimony. I'll give you an example and I'll, I'll close. The, you're at work. For some of you, you have to remember. For some of you are at work today. You go back and you think about, I'm okay at work if I say I'm going to church Sunday. It's America. Everybody goes to church Sunday. Well, not everybody does. But I mean, they, nobody's going to say, oh, man, you're weird. You're going to church Sunday. What a weirdo, like they do in China. But you're going to church. So, well, I believe in God. Well, most people that you're, you know, in your neighborhood, they would say, well, of course I believe in God. But you get on the elevator, crowded elevator, and you start saying, oh, how I love Jesus. Then they say, Oh, we got a weirdo on the elevator. 
what what is distinctive you're dedicated to a person I find that the biggest disperser of the crowd is when I mention the name Jesus it's a lot different to say I believe in God it's much different to say I love Jesus Amen. he's a person and the consecration and dedication that Peter's talking about here is I'm, I'm holy First of all, because I'm consecrated to Jesus. And I live differently because I love Jesus. And because Jesus' followers live differently and are not conformed to what everybody says you ought to be doing. Let's pray.